Hi, welcome back to Litcentric Radio, the podcast that's a literacy coach in your pocket. I'm your host, Dr. Julie Webb. Did you know that Litcentric has a YouTube channel? Well, we do. And there's a new video series there that's waiting for you. I've created a brief and to-the-point video series about the nine most common codes that you need to master to get really good at taking running records. Because we all know running records are extremely valuable and they actually will make you a better teacher of reading, but they are a big investment and they can actually be pretty tricky. So I wanted to create a video series, really some videos that I wish I'd had when I was first starting with running records to show you what it actually looks like when a student behaves a certain way when they read. And there's even a free resource in there for you to understand a little bit more about those codes and even uh, what they're telling you and what you could be doing about them. So if you log on to thatcentric.com, you'll see a button on the homepage there that'll take you straight to the videos. So watch the videos, add your comments and questions there on YouTube, and tell me what else you wanna learn about running records. And of course, share them with a teacher friend. I think we all know somebody who wants to either improve their running records or just in general get better at understanding their reading assessments and what to do about it when they see certain behaviors that their kids are exhibiting. Or maybe you are a coach and you're working with a new teacher or you're mentoring a new teacher and uh, you know that, that that new teacher could really use uh, some support and some demonstrations of how teaching and learning can look in classrooms. That's what Lecentric is all about, and the YouTube channel is a place that I'm hoping to add more videos like that in the near future. But in the meantime, go to the YouTube channel, subscribe to it. Uh, like I said, you can find it at litcentric.com on the homepage, or just go straight to YouTube and type Litcentric. We're the only one there. And uh, let me know what you think of those videos. In today's episode, number 34, we're going to take a look at perspective through the use of idea maps. Now, some of you may be new to idea maps, and I'm really excited to share the idea with you, the idea about idea maps, ha! Huh? And uh, that'll be our bridge chart today, and we'll be using uh, an idea map example of mine from my childhood over the years, and I'll show you how to unfold an idea map with students and how it can be used to springboard lots of different writing experiences. And we're tying it into how uh, our memories of a particular time and place help uh, to shape our perspectives and how that can come out in our writing. And we're going to do that not only with idea maps, but also with the text, My Poppy Has a Motorcycle. Now, one of the reasons I love this text is just the sense of nostalgia that the text has and that it really stirs in us when we read it. Because we all have at least one special place, you know, that makes us feel the way that the author does about her hometown, which is Corona, California, in the case of this book. And even if you didn't grow up in a place like Corona, California, or even you were, you know, similar to or near a place like that, it still is going to stir in you um, just, you know, those thoughts and memories of kind of places gone by, time gone by, and, you know, how that shaped your perspective uh, now and in the future. And that's something that we want to share with our students. And I love to use this book for understanding how our memories about just everyday ordinary experiences actually shape those perspectives. 
And it really gives us all something to write about. When we stir up those old thoughts and feelings, it actually can uh, create some opportunities for those small moment stories that we can really use to magnify the moment and get kids writing about things, not just a series of events, but really dig deep into a specific time and place, um, who was there, what happened, and definitely how they felt about that experience. So today we're going to use idea maps to do that and to get students started. All right, let's take a look at today's text. My poppy has a motorcycle. My poppy has a motorcycle. From him, I've learned words like carburetor and cariño, drill and dedication. When I hear his gray truck pull into our driveway, I run outside with both of our helmets. My poppy, the carpenter, is covered in sawdust and smells like a hard day at work. His hands are rough from building homes every day, his job since he first arrived in this country. But even though he comes home tired, he always has time for me. If you haven't discovered My Poppy Has a Motorcycle, I really hope you'll check it out. I always have links to uh, all the books that I feature here on Litcentric Radio on my website, litcentric.com. In the Listen tab, go ahead and go to the correct uh, season. Right now, uh, we're in season three, and there you'll find all the books with links there for you. And um, not only is this book beautifully written, and I love the use of description and metaphors and some of the playful ways that the author um, uses language and presents that language, but just the feelings that it evokes, um, I just think is really remarkable and it's a lovely story. Uh, there's also great author's notes in the back where uh, she reflects on her real hometown of Corona, California and how um, the very talented illustrator was inspired by her descriptions and the town itself and created kind of this fictional version of the town that this um, girl is writing through with her father. And we can really use this author's note as a way to introduce an idea map. And uh, you could actually make an idea map um, based on the author's descriptions in the book, but I think idea maps are best created by the person who actually experienced uh, those events uh, at that particular place. And an idea map is a special type of bridge chart because most of the charts that we create with students, uh, they definitely have... Um, a lot of input to the chart because the ideas that they share with us and with one another get uh, formed collectively with the group and then that's what ends up populating our chart. But in this case, uh, the chart is very personal to uh, the creator. In this case, you will be the creator as the teacher. And this chart is really acting as a model for the charts that you want students to create. So they have a little bit less input um, and really just more taking it in and understanding your thought process behind why um, you decided to include what you did. And it's important in every chart, but especially this one, that you make your thinking as visible as possible. And you do that by doing thinking aloud, explaining to students, you know, what you're, you're thinking, what you're remembering, and how you decide what to include in the images and words on your chart, because that's what students are ultimately going to emulate. And what you're really creating here with this model of an idea map is uh, an exemplar for students to follow and the idea map itself becomes a mentor text for them to use and refer to. So to create an idea map, 
Um, students will have uh, their own version of this on a piece of paper. And uh, in the Letcentric Radio growing bundle of lessons for um, episode 34, we will have uh, that student idea map in there as well as a picture of the map that I'm describing here that a teacher would make. And the teacher has a map that's um, designed the same way. There's a space um, up above for you to draw a very large picture. Most of the map is an illustration. And don't worry, it's not a fancy illustration. You know, stick figures and basic circles and squares and triangles are really all you need to do because uh, it's really just a sketch. You don't want to spend a lot of time on the picture part. You're not going to color it. You're just going to use, you know, like a black marker, make it as simple as possible because the focus is on the memories that are generated and the thinking aloud that you're going to do. Because the idea map is a great exercise unto itself, but it also becomes a tool and a reference point for students as they work through um, writing ideas and um, different writing pieces in the future. So in this idea map, it very much looks like a piece of paper turned on its side, like landscape style. And uh, I like to draw a very large rectangle at the top um, at least two th covering two thirds of the paper. And that becomes the box um, within which that I draw my, uh, my map or my uh, pictures. And below that, I have usually about six lines of uh, text, kind of two columns of three lines. And you can number these ahead of time or just do it as you go. But I think um, six memories in one location makes for a great idea map. You don't want to spend too much time and have to generate too many memories because sometimes that can be difficult. And also you don't want to spend too little time thinking about this. You don't want just one memory or even two memories. You want to have a little bit more there. So when you do an idea map, it's important to first pick a place that's very familiar to you personally and something that um, is a place where you've had many experiences at that place. And those experiences don't have to be just kind of in one moment of time or even only from your childhood. They can be experiences that happen throughout your whole lifetime. And uh, that way um, students understand that this place is very significant and that our memories are tied to places that we visit often and they don't, uh, they don't occur or they're not held in only one moment in time. They really can span many, many years and many, many different experiences with that place. Now, some places you might consider for your idea map, maybe um, you could draw the home where you grew up. That's a really easy one for teachers often to do. We have lots of memories in the, in the place where we grew up. Or it could even be a little bit smaller. It could be maybe your childhood bedroom because uh, you had a lot of experiences playing in there or times where you got upset or maybe, you know, you had a talking to or, you know, all sorts or maybe you learned something new. All sorts of things happen in places like that. You could also pick um, a memory of maybe a classroom, like of a favorite teacher or, a, you know, a special grade that you were in. Uh, another thing you could do is just think of some place that was particularly significant to you or your family. And in my case, uh, one of the places that I like to draw in front of students is our family's farm. And I didn't grow up on the farm, but this is a farm that uh, my mother grew up on up in Canada. And uh, it's now... Um, the owned by the third generation and the next few years probably moving into the fourth generation of our family owning this property and uh, this beautiful farmhouse that my ancestors built and um, this is a place where I didn't get to visit all the time because growing up in California I wasn't anywhere near Saskatchewan that was always a big family trip and a big deal if we got to go uh, and visit family up there 
And uh, but this is a place where over the years, of course, every time we go for a family visit, everyone always ends up at the farm and we all just call it the farm. And uh, I have family all over Canada now. And whenever, um, especially when the Americans show up <laughs> or even just any um, significant family gathering or event, everyone always ends up at the farm. And so um, I have lots of memories over my entire life, really, of, uh, you know, things that I got to do there and, and people I saw and funny things that happened and scary things that happened and, and just um, experiences that probably don't seem super significant, you know, in the grand scheme of things, but they're definitely things that I remember um, very well. And so oftentimes I think it's best to choose a place that's special and meaningful to you and maybe has a couple of really interesting stories attached to it, but also just some really small moments because we want to model that for our students that it's not our, really good quality writing isn't always about big, you know, grandiose ideas. Often it's really just the day-to-day you know, experiences that we have in making something special out of those. And I think that makes actually writing a lot more accessible for kids too. And think about it, if you're doing this with especially um, students in the primary grades, you know, five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, they've only been on the planet for a few years, right? They don't have this lifetime of memories that we have. So it's even more important that we model for them really small moments because that's, um, you know, that's really what our life is, as a string together of small moments and, and what kind of how we make sense of them. So if I was gonna do this in front of students, I would uh, draw one little uh, piece at a time and number it as I go. So um, usually I would start in the center. If I'm gonna draw the farm, I would draw the farmhouse. And in this case, it's just you know a rectangle with a triangle roof and a few windows. I mean, it's very basic. And I would say, oh, this is the farmhouse that my great grandparents built. And on the side here, there's, there's a porch that's enclosed and and there's a door on the side and these steps. And I remember we would drive up the driveway and the dogs would always come running up to the car and barking as we're trying to get to the steps and how I was always a little overwhelmed by that because we didn't have a dog. And these were farm dogs that were very much, you know, outside getting dirty, running all over the place with a lot of freedom kind of dogs. And I always, uh, they were always nice, but I was always a little bit uh, overwhelmed by them. And so I would tell students that, and then um, at the base of those steps in my picture, I would write a number one. I usually write a number one and circle it just so it's clear that that's number one. And down below on my chart, I write a number one also. And then I write maybe a phrase or two just to jog that memory again. So I might say, um, scared of farm dogs. And that's all I would write because to me, when I look back on that idea map, looking at that image that I drew and reading that phrase is enough to generate my thoughts and feelings about that experience. So this idea map, like I said, is very personal and it's a way, uh, it's a tool to be used later uh, to help students generate ideas um, and to be able to describe those personal narrative experiences. And then I would move on and maybe talk about, oh, now I'm gonna draw the barn over here and it's on this side of the yard. and. And I would talk about how we'd climb up into the second story of the barn. It was the barn's actually older than the home. It's a historical landmark. Um, actually, it's you know registered historical place. And um, up in the second floor was the hayloft, where they kept the hay nice and dry. And we had a big uh, rope swing in the center of the of the barn. And so we would get to uh, grab the rope swing and swing from one side of the barn to the other and fall down into the hay. And I just thought that was the greatest thing in the world, you know, like a, imagine a seven-year-old or eight-year-old kid, that would probably be just the highlight of your trip. 
So I have very uh, distinct memories of that, doing that with my cousins. And so I would draw number two next to the, you know, the barn and the rope swing. And then I would write, you know, rope swing in the hayloft and add that on there. So as you can see, you just kind of walk step by step through this experience. And as you draw one little uh, location, you explain the memory attached to that location. You describe it briefly and then just jot down a couple of thoughts about that so that later on you can recall that and write about it. So that's really what you're going to have students do as well. And in this case, uh, the writing task is asking them to take the idea map that they've created and use that as a springboard for the personal narrative where you want them to describe that time and place um, and who was there with you, uh, also telling what happened and how you felt, but even also explaining why you will always remember it. There's something significant about that, about that memory or experience for you. And you know, you want to make sure you include that in your personal narrative. It makes it just kind of that extra special and a little bit more of a memoir type of uh, writing experience. So I hope you'll check out my Poppy Has a Motorcycle. Fantastic book. And uh, idea maps are always a big hit with kids. I love to actually uh, do this lesson usually early in the year, but really anytime I want kids to do a little bit better job with some of their descriptions and have an opportunity to write something they know about really, really well, um, that's something that I want to make sure I provide for students throughout the year. And so idea maps are a great thing to do actually a few times a year. It's not hard to model them. And uh, students like to keep them in their writing folders or in their writing journals because, like I said, they can be pulled out anytime and the students can go through them and a new memory might, might you know, come up and they can add them to the map. And also they can use one of those memories to start their own personal narrative or another genre to write about and, uh, and use it again as a springboard to do some really great writing from it. Students uh, also have the opportunity in my class to uh, grab a blank idea map anytime they like. And instead of you know working on a current piece or starting a new one, I'm fine if they wanna spend writing time that day uh, working on an idea map because really that's actually a great planning tool. And it's a great tool to generate good quality thinking and getting kids ready to write. And when they have those ideas you know, percolating in the back of their mind, you're going to have students who no longer say, I don't know what to write about. Uh, your students will actually, what Donald Graves called, um, entering a constant state of composition. They're always thinking about the next thing they're going to say, the next thing they're going to write about, the next problem they're going to solve. And so when you have a writer's workshop you know, going in your class and you've established this really positive writing climate of sharing and thinking and discovering together, students will always know what to write about next. They won't bother you with that, uh, with that task. And idea maps are a great way to kind of springboard that for students uh, throughout the year. So check out the book and check out the lesson at letcentric.com in the shop tab. That'll take you over to our Letcentric radio lessons there. And don't forget to visit YouTube and watch that video series, Nine Common Codes You'll Need for Running Records. Subscribe uh, to Litcentric's YouTube channel, and we'll see you next time. Have a great day at school.